0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: Or Salem Media Group.
2: Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, as we've known for some time, Cleveland has been sort of the hub of entertainment with the Greater Cleveland Film Commission and films with uh, A-list stars coming to Cleveland, being in, in movies. And we found out a lot of people here in Cleveland do have talent and uh, a lot of them are wondering what to do with it. Well, there's a TV show on NBC called America's Got Talent, and we have one of the producers of that show with us today. His name is Adam Davis. Adam, thank you for joining us. Uh,
3: thanks for having me, Nick. Hello, Cleveland.
2: Hey, thank you, Adam. Uh, Cleveland was really a hotbed for entertainment and for people who want to get into the industry. You know, the local community colleges and other colleges and, and uh Schools here are, are running uh, various courses on film acting and uh, the arts of uh, involved in entertainment. But uh, America's Got Talent, you, you've been around for how many seasons now?
3: So, Nick, we're going into our 14th season oh of America's God. Got Talent, and it's never been better. The stage has never been bigger. The talent has never been more explosive and shocking and we are coming off the hills of a season 13 finale that drew in close to 17 million people.
2: That's unheard of. That's fantastic (laughs) to to pull that off. Now, were you you a producer at the beginning during uh, 14 seasons ago?
3: No, unfortunately not. I didn't land within this AGT family of production until season 8. And uh, you know, fourteen will be my seventh season. I don't see me leaving anytime soon, and I hope my bosses feel the same way. But I'm sure you know, they do. Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. <laughs> to touch on what you just said about Cleveland being a hotbed of talent, we have brought auditions to Cleveland before, and we have found great talent in the Ohio region. And I, I have to tell you, it doesn't matter what city you're in, if you're in Cleveland directly, if you're in the suburbs, if you're down in Akron, over in Toledo, wherever you are, if you think that you have what it takes to to make it to the stage in front of the celebrity judges, just take that chance and audition. You can audition on Monday, November the 12th in Detroit, or you can actually uh, submit an online video uh, from wherever you are, at agtauditions.com. It's that simple. The biggest thing that you can do is just try.
2: What kind of talent uh, makes makes the cut here? What, what do you need to do? We, we were joking before the show about uh, three old guys playing the harmonicas, but there may be three old guys who really play very well and, and uniquely. Um, how, how do you know, you know if what? you're out yeah. there? Go ahead.
3: Yeah. So how do we know what we want? We know that we want to see things we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And we have had chickens playing the piano, singing dogs, cats doing acrobatics, ventriloquists, wonderful singer-songwriters like Grace VanderWaal. We want someone to walk into an audition room and just show us a new take on something that's already been done, something that can be done to make things a little bit spicier, a little bit bigger, you know? When someone walks into an audition room or submits that online audition, they just have to captivate us and show us something that America will love. And there are lots of things America loves and lots of things that America wants to see and has yet to see. And the place to find it could be Cleveland.
2: Oh, my. Well, I know we have a a lot of wonderful people here in Cleveland. And uh, I... Just the enthusiasm I, I see from people who are involved in getting into this industry has been very, uh, very gratifying. You know, And as you're talking about things unique, uh, my wife and I were in Vienna, Austria last year. And we were walking by a storefront on a Sunday morning. There was some guy uh, sitting by the front door playing an accordion. That, that sounds pretty boring until you realize this guy was playing... Fantastic Bach on a on an accordion. That was just uh, we 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 were spellbound <laughs> to hear. I don't know if we can get yeah. that guy here for your America Got Talent, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Now oh, the the idea I, America Got Talent America's Got Talent uh, is one of the many. Uh, I guess we'd classify them as reality shows, and uh, you're you're not limited to one particular area. You're open for any kind of entertaining. Act or performance? Absolutely,
3: that's what makes America's Got Talent the best show on television and the best show anymore.
2: What what kind of uh, what kind of acts seem to catch your eye more readily? Uh, are, and I I think you mentioned ventriloquist. We don't see many ventriloquists anymore. That if you see a good one, that's something to capture.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we think of, like, Americana talent, you know. What television talent shows used to be like. of all... ...one, any a any talent. And the thing that makes the show connect with everyone is that a family can sit down on the couch and watch it and not be offended. It's a time where the family can watch the show and just enjoy the TV show, enjoy each other, and have a nice family moment together. You know, there's danger
4: acts for for the teenage boys,
3: there's emotional heartfelt stories for the moms, and there's just weird things for dad. So no matter what it is, that's what makes the show so compelling for so many people, Uh, viewers and talent alike, because this is the biggest stage in the world this is the platform that can launch careers put your name in lights on the vegas strip
2: well to promote uh, to everyone this opportunity yeah, i think you mentioned that there's going to be eight cities uh i see the list here new york city knoxville tampa charlotte san antonio detroit and los angeles um can people find the the dates and locations on an, uh, a website or something or how would they find that out
3: Absolutely, it's so easy to do. All you have to do is go to agtauditions.com and that's where you'll find all the information, all the dates across our nationwide tour to find talent and also submit that online video.
2: How many people do you normally interview or audition before you make your final cut?
3: You know, we see thousands uh, throughout our nationwide search and we make those decisions based on what we think America will enjoy watching for season 14. And, you know, it, it is a lot of people, but a lot of people do get their dreams of being on TV, and and they, they can do great big things just by taking that chance and auditioning, no mm-hmm. matter what it is they do or where they are or who they are.
2: Now, now do you guys keep track of the trends as far as what the, uh, the public... Uh, really likes, uh, for example, you have four or five different acts on, uh, do you keep track of what types of acts seem to be uh, actually a, attracting interest uh, to, to give some hints to some people who are listening now as to maybe they're one of those categories that might really be good uh, coming up next year?
3: You know, no. I mean, there there really isn't a trend. It's all based on, you know, what is entertaining. And who's to say that it's, that it's one category of talent over another. It's mm-hmm. just whatever is going to make the best television show and serve the best entertainment to the, to the viewing audience. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's not about Simon or any of the other judges or the hosts. It's all about talent.
2: Yeah, you know, as a lawyer, my full-time job is a lawyer, uh, have to ask a question. When people go through the process and they get selected, is there any compensation or is this all gratis on their part? Uh,
3: there's a million-dollar prize. At the end of the season, if you win, there's a million-dollar prize and a chance to headline a show in Las Vegas.
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, And headlining the show in Las Vegas, uh, that, that would certainly be a tip-off. Who are some of the more famous uh, winners that uh, are still out there and really capitalizing? upon their appearances on America's Got Talent.
3: Grace Vanderall, the winner of season 12, is signed and is label-mates with Beyonce and Adele. Darcy Lynn is on a nationwide tour selling out venues across the world, even, uh, as a ventriloquist. Samuel J. Comroe from this past season, you can catch him at every comedy club basically around the, the uh, United States, selling out those shows. Terry Fader, Pip the Magic Dragon, Matt Franco, uh, Billy and Emily England all have shows on the Vegas Strip. And you can catch uh, a contortionist from this past season in a new superhero movie coming up. You know, uh, a guy from season 11, a singer, just released a song with, uh, you know, EDM successful Smash artist Martin Garrix. There are so many people out there that i can just give great success stories to uh that um came from america's got talent
2: well outstanding well definitely it's a big stepping stone and it's it's really an open door for people who think that they have that certain something uh how many uh famous people said they started out as children entertaining their families at the holiday season and uh, never had an opportunity to step out there and actually show it off to people who know their stuff, like the producers here. Well, Right, gonna, right. Well, well we're,
3: we're so thankful to be a part of the show every day that we work on it. And we are so excited to see all the talent that's going to come from the Ohio listening region right now. Well,
2: very good. Well, let's take a short break. We're going to be back. We're talking uh, to Adam Davis. He's a producer for America's Got Talent. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Nick Phillips here, the advocate on WHK. Don't go away, we'll be
1: right back.
5: plan it this way, you spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at
6: 440-243-2800. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free.
0: This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com.
2: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select. Select insurance for your insurance needs.
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
5: Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone
2: 440-243-2800. Welcome back to Eva Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, tonight we're talking about your opportunity to show off your talent. And uh, I'm sure you've heard over the last 14 years of the TV show called America's Got Talent. Uh, well, this is your opportunity to listen to uh, how to get involved and how to make that big breakthrough. And uh, there's apparently an insatiable hunger for a new talent. And to talk to us about that tonight again, we're, we've talked to him in the last segment, but we're, we still have the producer of the show, Adam Davis. Adam, thank you for joining us.
3: Uh, thanks for having me, Nick. You know, I'm not just the producer of the show. I've got to give credit where credit is due. There are so many producers on the show that make it the number one show of the summer. So there are so many people involved in every area of AGT to make it the explosive show that it is.
2: Now, we talked about the season here. When does the season for America's Got Talent, when does it begin, when does it end, and how many, uh, how many weeks do, does it run with fresh shows?
3: Yeah, so our show typically premieres every May and wraps up every September, uh, premiere May, finale in September, and, uh, you know, we haven't yet set our premiere date for season 14, however, um, we expect that same little timeline to work out, and we've been the number one show of the summer since we premiered on NBC on season one, and we hope to continue that. We are the number one social and digital show on TV, the most... Uh, talked about online reality competition show of the year so far. So it's really cool um, just how many areas that um, AGT is the best in. And the best is our stage because that's where the talent stands and delivers it to the world.
2: Well, I I tell you, it's quite an accomplishment uh, in today's market with cable and all the uh, the, the different groups like Netflix and everyone, to be number one and to have the kinds of numbers. I think you mentioned 17 million tuned in last year uh, for the finale. Yeah, our finale
3: had Scott. nearly 17 million viewers,
2: that and, is and you know amazing. that's
3: not even saying that you know our our online video views. Uh, Hit 2 billion views For season 13 So uh, that's billion With a B Not million So there's a lot of eyes Going to be on the talent That we're looking for And we want to see it So if you're listening In the Cleveland area uh, You're thinking that maybe You know You don't have what it takes I can assure you That people who have Ended up on our stage Even in the live shows Have had that run Through their minds But don't defeat yourself Before you even start To be yourself so come on out to auditions in Detroit, Monday, November 12th, or any date you can find at agtauditions.com. And if you are just kind of too shy or you know, want to take your time with your audition, you can film it wherever you want, even in your bathroom, Nick, and Uh-oh. submit that online video at agtauditions.com.
2: No, if, uh, if you do a video, say on your uh, iPhone or something like that, can you just uh, email that, or do you have to put it into YouTube, or how, uh, what's the process, the technical process?
3: Yeah, so the technical process is pretty dang easy. You can hold up your iPhone, selfie video style, or have someone film your audition for you. You save it to your phone, and then you go to agtauditions.com, and you upload that audition. It really is so simple. We try to make it as foolproof as possible for anyone, because our show is for everyone.
2: Well, tell us about the judges. Who are the judges coming up this season, and, and how does... Uh... How does that play out? The judges are very entertaining themselves.
3: The judges are amazing you know we We cannot be happier with season thirteens judges simon, Howie, Mel, and heidi uh you know they have a camaraderie that is just absolutely fantastic. And they're so entertaining. I mean, how many times have you seen Mel and and Simon just kind of bicker and yell at each other? And the brother-sister relationship between Hallie Mandel and Scary Spice Mel B is just so fun to watch. And let me tell you a little secret about Simon. Yes. Everyone remembers Simon from, you know, his, his first show in America days, right? Yeah. And how... He was kind of abrasive, yeah, but mean. Simon's he was a daddy mean. now, and Simon is a little bit of a softy, and I think he's softened up, don't you think? Nick? Really?
2: Well, yeah, with the passage of years, he's still uh, vibrant with the whole idea, and, and comes in there. But yeah, I haven't heard any of the stories of him being uh, particularly mean spirited to uh, to contestants. So they no. shouldn't be afraid of him then, right?
3: Simon is brilliant. Simon is vibrant, like you said, and and Simon makes careers like. This isn't just some random British guy on our judging panel. This is Simon Cowell, who is responsible for some of the world's biggest superstars. Uh, He is a genius. He knows talent when he sees it. And you're looking at, like, the guy responsible for giving us One Direction, Little Mix, Carrie Underwood, so many people. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, even. I mean, this guy has had his fingers on some of the biggest names in the business and knows talent. And Simon is out to find the next world global superstar. And that all starts with an audition.
2: Now, do you get to preview some of the uh, the better auditions or do you do any of the auditioning?
3: Look, I, I like how you asked that question, if I yes. get to preview some of the better auditions. <laughs> to me, every audition is good because there are so many people out there in america that don't take the chance right uh that don't take that chance so i view every person that comes into an audition room or submits a video as a good audition because they they absolutely uh took a chance you know they're not Mm -hmm, listening mm -hmm. to people around them saying they're not good enough or letting themselves think they're not good enough because everyone deserves an opportunity and that's what AGT is that's what america's got talent is for anyone anyone even people that want to come to america to end up on the biggest stage to be a global superstar it all starts with that audition well, that's you know, the great audition playing
2: playing the, numbers, playing the numbers playing the numbers you mentioned there are thousands of people who audition and only a handful actually get selected but those are still much better odds than in the lottery where you're facing like a trillion to one or something like that you're, <laughs> you're just facing thousands yeah we to have one. better
3: odds than the mega millions or the Powerball. so <laughs> yeah so
2: that's something to uh, to consider uh what what are some of the um more interesting acts that you've seen i guess do you refer th- to them as acts or how do you refer to the different people coming up with this variety of Uh, of different uh, things they do, uh, from ventriloquist to uh, yeah. who knows what. I mean,
3: acts, contestants, call it what you want. You can even just say the the, the talents that hit the stage at AGT. You know, some of the most memorable to me, um, once I was running an audition room and a family came in and threw whoopee cushions on the floor and fell on them as their talent. Um, so that's a memorable one for me. And on the completely different side of things, a completely different spectrum of an audition is uh, I remember the first time that Grace Vanderwall auditioned in front of the judges. And I was lucky enough to be in that room and lucky enough to just kind of put my phone down, close my computer, and watch something that I knew was going to be so exciting and captivating. And that's another memorable moment for me. That's a memorable audition because in that moment, I knew that Grace Vanderbilt was going to do great things. And so did Howie Mandel. Grace ended up getting that golden buzzer, which sent her straight to the live shows. And that's what everyone auditioning should want, wow. that golden buzzer, that chance to be at live shows for the million-dollar prize and that headlining show in Las Vegas.
2: You know, that that sounds so exciting if you're the person because as you describe it, I can picture what – what is actually going through everyone's mind as you're sitting there screening these auditions and uh, listening to them yeah within the first five it's seconds a really
3: it's a really wonderful opportunity and a really wonderful place to be um, and things to see you know you you you're you're part of a team or I am I'm part of a team that is um, producing something so much bigger than than what we are and who we are and bringing um, success to so many people who have been you know, Uh, sometimes fighting for years to get. And we can change lives and make people smile at home and forget about their day for just two hours every Tuesday during the summer, (laughs) which is a a really cool thing to be a part of.
2: Well, very good. Well, uh, you said the season starts in May and uh, thereabouts, and that will be on our NBC affiliate here in Cleveland, WKYC Channel 3. And what night and what hour has that been fixed yet?
3: yeah so um, all the details for season fourteen have not been released, but historically you can catch us every Tuesday there on WkyC in Cleveland, one of my favorite NBC stations in the country.
2: Well Cleveland's a great place and I'm glad you're you're reaching out to us to to think about Cleveland uh, and we hope that we have uh, a lot of Clevelanders and Detroit's not that far Detroit is only about two and a half hours from Cleveland uh, on the interstates
3: of course. It's, you know, it's two and a half hours for a chance at a million dollars. I would do it every day, twice a day, if I had the opportunity.
2: Any last-minute advice on what's the best uh, act to come up with? Uh, a singer, uh, an acrobat, a juggler, a magician? Choose one you know, I, I've said it before, <laughs>
3: and I can't say it enough. I don't think there's any certain act that I can say that we want more than anything else, because we just want talent. We want someone to walk into that audition room
2: and, and blow us away. knock your socks off. Excellent. Well, that is that is outstanding. We'll be watching uh, America's Got Talent uh, this, this coming summer. Adam Davis, producer, one of the many producers of America's Got Talent, thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing a little behind the scenes with us.
3: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure, and I look forward to coming back to Ohio. Thanks, guys.
2: Please do. Thank you so much. And we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
3: Hi,
0: I'm Pat Lamb Experience a do it yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440 237 8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440 237 8555, or selectinsservice.com.
2: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance. S
5: You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips & Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips &
6: Millie at 440-243-2800. How's your back? Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free.
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
2: Welcome back. Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. And again, as always, thank you for joining us. And uh, today is uh, the 11th day of November, the 11th month. If that sort of sounds familiar, if you recall hearing the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month that had to do with when World War One ended. And with us to talk about World War One on this Veterans Day, we have Jeffrey Miller. Jeffrey Miller, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this story.
2: Well, it's, it's quite the appropriate day and time to do it. Uh, so Veterans Day and uh, again, Veterans Day coming out of World War One. Before we get into your book and, and the story you have to tell, tell us a little bit about your background and your interest in World War One and, and uh, going after the story for a book we call World War One Crusaders. Go ahead.
1: Yes, um, I've been a journalist all my life. I've been a historian as well. I've written a few books. And though this particular book is about uh, a topic that is close to my heart, because my grandparents were involved. My grandfather was an American who went into uh, German-occupied Belgium and as part of this story, and uh, he fell in love with a young Belgian girl. And after the World War, they got married and they're my grandparents. And when they passed away, I received all their diaries, all their correspondence, all of their photographs. My grandmother had taken photographs 100 years ago of that time. And they knew of my interest in this topic, and so after they died, I received all this great material. It was incredible.
2: Thank goodness. So you're you're actually part of the living history with living DNA from the time <laughs> in this story.
1: It, it is it, it you is so think of true, that and, way. The, and and you know what was so fascinating is I got to know my grandparents as eighty year olds when I was a teenager, and then when they passed away. I was then a young man as I read about them, you know, all of their writings as young people who were idealistic and were working in this food relief program. And so it was this wonderful concept that I had two sets of people that I learned about, my grandparents as older people, and then my grandparents when they were young and idealistic.
2: Well, we had World War I, uh, the Great War, it wasn't World War I yet, uh we had what about 4 million Americans get involved in it uh and uh, as as that was all happening that war had been going on for for a number of years and the uh, I, I think there was a, some there was some amount of idealism in the united states for us getting involved in it but the story you have is uh, is certainly interesting because we don't often think about uh what happens in war zones to the civilian population and uh they're still there. <laughs> they don't go away. It, the soldiers it, exactly. come in and destroy Tell tell us oh, about uh, the the book and the, and the premise of the story this aspect of World War 1.
1: Yes, um it was be- all because the small country of Belgium when it was overrun by the Germans and um, they had been they had imported over 75% of their food uh before the war and suddenly they were completely cut off and the Germans refused to feed them. And so they were going to starve. There were over seven and a half million of them and another two million of of people who were northern French caught behind German lines, and they all were potentially going to starve. And um, so the Commission for Relief in Belgium, the CRB, was formed by individual Americans who were neutral because we were neutral at that time when the war first started. And there was a young, dynamic engineer, mining engineer, highly successful, who was in London, and he heard about there was a potential these these Belgians and French were going to starve. And he was told, this is impossible. There is no way that anybody can save an entire nation from starvation behind the lines during a war. And he just said, as as that great American spirit is, he said, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. And he organized it and became known by the end of the war as the great humanitarian, because he had established, this was the largest food and relief drive at that point ever known. And his name was Herbert Hoover. And we all truly loved Herbert Hoover because he had saved all these people until he became president in, in, uh, uh, as the 31st president. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, before that time he was this great humanitarian and this was a great organization uh, as one of the finest moments of America and sadly there aren't a lot of Americans who have heard about this anymore
2: No, it's a story that doesn't get uh, played up enough on uh, like the History Channel or anything Uh, Mm -hmm. it it sounds like an interesting and uh, risky business to uh, get food behind enemy lines, like you mentioned well, the United States didn't get involved into World War 1 until later and uh, I'm assuming that the the commission uh, for the relief of Belgium started prior to US's involvement. How how did they how, how do they end up getting uh, how do they end up getting out there and, and getting behind the lines without being stopped?
1: Right. What happened was Herbert Hoover. This was in August of nineteen, or excuse me, October of nineteen fourteen. Only a few months after the war had started, Herbert Hoover had to get the English to agree to allow food to go in. Had to agree, get the Germans to agree. They had to set all of this up. Had to buy food. Had to find financing. Uh, It took forty thousand Belgian volunteers inside Belgium. To prepare the food for the 10 million people to get food every single day. Logistically, this was a nightmare. And also diplomatically, it was a nightmare. And this was a private citizen from a neutral country t- trying to do this. And America had to stay out of it officially because they were neutral. So um, while we certainly, while Hoover certainly had world opinion behind him, he didn't have the US government behind him. He just was doing this on his own. Now, the U.S. government said, This is a great idea, but we just can't support it officially. So um, then he started to get the ships together. He started to organize. There, he, he reached out to the world for donations as well. Uh, this became a massive, massive um, event.
2: Well, I was thinking back in those days, we didn't have internet or emails or email blast or Facebook or anything. Uh, so looking for donations. Uh, who were supporting th- this group? Mostly Americans or getting Americans, Canadians, other Europeans?
1: or? Uh, you know, it was interesting. The, the um, ones who at, at the end, uh, because he tried to reach out to the whole world through the media, and the media at that time was only newspapers and magazines. There was no TV. There was no radio even back then. So this was newspapers and magazines and books. And so he reached out to the world and actually the per capita best country who donated the most was Australia. And um we we certainly donated a great deal as well. Altogether they collected over thirty million dollars over the years. This is nineteen fourteen dollars. But the whole operation of the CRB ultimately spent nearly one billion dollars, that's a B, one billion nineteen fourteen dollars which would be approximately $26 billion today. So this was a gigantic operation, and to understand it in smaller ways, every day approximately 50 ships were coming from all over the world to Rotterdam, to the neutral port of Rotterdam, where the food was transferred onto canal barges, and those barges were then pulled into German-occupied Belgium and distributed that way.
2: Now, were the foodstuffs, were they distributed beyond Belgium to other needy countries or uh, anywhere into
1: uh, Germany or point, anything? Yeah, at this point in time, it was only Belgium to start with. And then in early 1915, they realized that the people caught in the strip of northern France behind German lines. That strip had about two million Frenchmen in it, French people in it, and they were going to starve as well. So that's where it got together altogether almost 10 million people. And the interesting th- thing here, Nick, is there is some symmetry here in that historians agree that almost 10 million soldiers died in the total four years of the war. And Herbert Hoover and the CRB saved nearly 10 million lives. So it's kind of an interesting symmetry, don't you think?
2: No, I, I think it is. the. Uh, I think this is the first time we are seeing such large numbers of anything going on or Uh, Millions of people, millions of people killed, millions of people wounded. And uh, many times we hear about uh, U.S. military with how many deaths there were. I think there was a little over 100,000 U.S. military deaths. Uh, Yeah. uh, But again, the civilians are usually ignored. Uh, I I remember on D-Day in northern France, uh, the number of civilians who were killed were staggering and we don't often hear yeah. about the civilians so it, it's quite quite the thing uh, we're we're talking to Jeff Miller who is the author of a book called World War 1 Crusaders and we talk about World War 1 on this Veterans Day 2018 we're going to take a short break we'll be back with Jeff to talk more about World War 1 and uh, some of the stories that maybe we haven't heard of so uh, stay tuned we'll be back we'll take a short break you're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK yeah, look okay. it. We'll be right back. I
3: can't get no satisfaction. I can't get
0: no satisfaction. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Experience a do-it-yourself plan can not provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com.
2: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance sneeze
4: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
5: Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800.
1: On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org.
2: Welcome back to Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of the Advocate for tonight. Uh, This being Veterans Day, November eleventh, two 2018, the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. We have with us a special guest, Jeffrey Miller, who's an author of a book called World War I... Crusaders. And it's about a little known story, well, a little known to me, uh, of what uh, happened to the civilian population in Belgium and how they were supported by Americans and uh, nationals from other countries. Uh, Jeff Miller, thank you for joining us again. Welcome back.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Nick. My,
2: my pleasure. By the way, where are you calling from tonight?
1: I'm calling from Princeton, New Jersey today.
2: Princeton, New Jersey. Great. If uh, very famous area.
1: And, yes.
2: uh, played a role in the history of Alexander Hamilton, of course. So <laughs> we know about uh,
1: yes, and and Woodrow Wilson was from here, That's and right. also that um, I did research for my book at the Princeton Library. <laughs> so
2: Excellent. all these connections to uh, to the old days. Well, you know, the old days with regard to World War One. We talked about how World War One ended. Uh, on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, which was November 11th, 1918, 100 years ago uh, today. And you, you mentioned uh, earlier, I believe, that you have relatives who fought in that war. I, th- I don't know if we mentioned that on the air just during our private talk about uh, your grandmother being Belgian and your grandfather being involved in this. Tell us about that a bit. Yes.
1: Yeah, that was um they were he he was an American with the Commission for Relief in Belgium the CRB which was this food relief drive to help the Belgians and northern French and he was an American from Ohio actually from Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, Ohio. And he yeah, and and he went uh he went into Belgium. He had been a Princeton graduate in 1913 and uh that in 1916 he went into Belgium as one of Herbert Hoover's CRB delegates, which was their job, was to supervise the food distribution in Belgium to make sure the Germans did not take the food that was earmarked for the Belgians. And he um, he was a 23 year old man who fell in love happily with a Belgian woman, lucky
2: who for fell you. in love with
1: him as well. <laughs> I know, lucky for lucky me. For lucky you. for you, <laughs> or we wouldn't and, be having
2: uh, this talk today. Actually,
1: right, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But I was so fortunate. That they gave me upon their death I received all their diaries Correspondence, their photography This was just an incredible uh, uh, Treasure trove for me Which led me then to research 50 other people in the CRB And in the war And so that I've been working For a decade on this book uh, And on trying to put together A story that doesn't just Tell the American side It puts it in the context of Belgium as well so I follow Belgians. I even follow the um, the leaders of the underground newspaper called La Libre Belgique that were fighting against the Germans. So I put, I interspersed that story with the story of the American supervisors, the CRB delegates going into Belgium. So I try to make this a human story, Nick, because as we talked about earlier, we talked about, There's just millions of deaths. There's millions of people starving. There's millions of this, millions of that. This was the first time in history we've talked millions back at that time. And yet, every one of those millions was a human being. And that I wanted to try to bring this story down to these human terms that we can all relate to.
2: You know, with the thought of the CRB delegates like your grandfather... Uh, what was what was their status? Were they like in the military or were they just part of a non what we'd call now an NGO or non governmental organization or what yes, was they, status they the were
1: yeah, this these these were all private citizens. This was a non governmental agency. This was a, a a group that had been formed by Herbert Hoover and that um, they had gotten permission from the German higher ups go into Belgium, oh. and that. Uh, but the, the average foot soldier, the average German foot soldier, didn't know who these Americans were, who were, were dressed in civilian clothes, driving automobiles. Nobody else could drive automobiles other than Germans. Um, suddenly, you have these Americans using automobiles to go around to supervise the distribution, and they are... They are stopped constantly. They are strip searched. They are harassed. Their cars are taken apart to look for contraband. All the Germans think of is that they're probably spies. They're probably spies for the Allies, even though we were neutral. And so there was constant that type of harassment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the same time, the Americans saw the brutality of the German occupation on the Belgians as well which was pretty, in some cer- certain situations, could be horrific.
2: And that's the thing documentaries are made out of, I, I think, uh, yes. that, that we don't like to see but we have to remember, so you, you have to mm-hmm. do that. When you talk about the delegates or the U.S. volunteers there driving cars and yes. things, did they have any special markings on the vehicles at all? Yes, or they actually they
1: had their own little flag. They, uh, the, the, the CRB had its own treaties with different countries. It had its own flag. It had its own ships. It was almost like a tiny little country was the CRB. It was fascinating. So they had the CRB flags on the, um, on the cars. And as they went through Belgium, Belgians would stop and cheer. Belgians would like wave and stop and salute and all kinds of things to these young Americans. Some of them, One of them was even 19 years old, because Herbert Hoover had to face the fact that he, uh, because we didn't have airplanes in commercial use, he couldn't get Americans over to Europe from America for at least a month or two. So in October of 1914, when this operation started, he had to get Americans, he had to find some Americans somewhere who would drop everything, work for free, go into German-occupied Belgium, and do a job that no one had ever done before. And where could he find people in England, because he was in London, where could he find Americans in England um, to be able to do this job until he could find recruits in America? Well, he went to Oxford, and there were Rhodes Scholar program, <laughs> and the Rhodes Scholars were about to take six weeks of winter break, and so they volunteered. One, one student was 19 years old who went into occupied Belgium, had to face battle-hardened German officers, and had to handle the uh, conservative Belgian businessmen to organize all this and to supervise this. It. It, 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 you can't make this Amazing. stuff up, Nick. It's a great story.
2: Amazing. Now, were there any uh, casualties or deaths of these volunteers?
1: no there there weren't any cash there was well, one good. one gentleman who who yes it was it was very good one who had died of a heart attack, which was natural, but there were a few of them that had what is described as nervous breakdowns hmm. and what nervous breakdowns back then were wasn't the same as nervous breakdowns are today, as I put in my book. I specifically mentioned that nervous breakdown meant just a physical and mental exhaustion rather than a true, true mental break. You know what I mean? Right, so right. it wasn't as psychologically bad. It was just these men were under such stress. And in Belgium, you could always hear the heavy artillery all the time. So you could hear it wherever you were. You could hear the artillery of the trenches. These young men were men who felt they should be in the trenches fighting, but they knew that their job was an important job. And they, and they saw the, all the brutality of the Germans, and they couldn't do anything about it. They had to act neutral. In, in thought and deed, they were supposed to be neutral. And this put an incredible strain on them, especially when, as my grandfather fell in love with a Belgian girl. And so he's got his heart and soul into Belgium, and he's seen the struggle that's going on, and yet he physically can't do anything about it. And that was a strain for these young men.
2: Well, indeed it was, and uh, that, that whole war was, uh, was, was such a problem. And uh, actually, yes. a lot of historians will relate World War II to being somewhat of a continuation of World War I uh, in, yes. in some sense. But uh, the name of the book is World War One Crusaders, and the author is Jeffrey Miller. And the book is coming out right around now. Is that right, Jeff?
1: Yes, uh, it is actually launched today on Veterans Day. Uh, you can purchase it on Amazon or at bookstores. You can ask for it at bookstores as well.
2: Well, very good. Well, thank you so very much for joining us, and uh, this is a, a, an interesting thing on this particular Veterans Day 2018 to help us recognize and commemorate uh, the end of World War One, 100 years ago already. So it's such a great thing you had your grandparents there to share this information with you. So very much. Uh, thank, you. thank you, Jeff.
1: And thank you for having me. My thank pleasure. you so much for having me, Nick. Thank
2: you very much, and thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and next week, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and
3: drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning Not only my mind